We're turning to uh, the book of Luke, chapter 4, verse 32, or 31, rather. And then we'll read through chapter 5, verses, five verse 11. This is our series. We're looking at a, quite a f- few passages in the book of Luke. Uh, in these two months, we're kind of focusing from Luke 3 to Luke 9. And the title of this, this series is The Marvelous Works of Jesus. Now, if, if, you, know, if you know me, you know that um, I'm all about us taking responsibility to do what God has called us to do in his power. And I think we should think carefully about what we should do. I think we should grow in wisdom in that. I think we should be asking the Lord for greater love to serve, opportunities, and so on. But we all have to, always have to remember that it's not so much what we are doing, but what he has done for us and is doing. And so that's what, that's what I'm kind of making the focus of this, which I think is what Luke would want us to see, is, is, is what Jesus has done and is doing for us and in us. And so we see the marvelous works of Jesus that he did on earth and that he's continuing to do in like manner. And that is so that we might glorify him and praise him and put our trust in him for everything we need. So with that in mind, let us uh, listen to God's holy word. Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demons threw the man down before all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked her fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus All who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. Because that is why I was sent. And he kept, out, kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats, left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full 
that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. So they put, pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. This is God's holy word. Let's pray. O Lord, our God in heaven, our King and our Lord, we give you praise that you've given us a word, that you've sent the King to reign. And we pray, O Lord, that we might see the glory of his reign today. We pray that you would, you would put out of our hearts everything that would distract us, that we would be able to hear and submit humbly to the word that you would teach us, and that we would see in greater measure how great and awesome you are, how glorious you are, and all that you are doing and will do for us and through us throughout the entire world, so that you might receive all the glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what is Christianity all about? How would you summarize it? It's a good question to think about. You should have a a ready answer. You've been... Most of you have been in church a long time. It's a good thing to think about. How would you say, if someone asked you, what's Christianity all about, what would your answer be? Well, Jesus actually has a little answer here that tells us what it is all about because it was what his message was all about. You find that in verse 43. He says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. It is the good news of the kingdom of God. Now, I wonder how many of you, when I asked that question just a few moments ago, would have answered, it's the good news of the kingdom of God. My guess is, based on just my own experience and talking to other people, is that not many of us would summarize Christianity that way. Not that we would disagree with it, but that just wouldn't be the first thing that came to our mind. But it came so readily to Jesus' lips. This is what I'm doing here. This is what I was sent to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. And so what we want to consider today is why does he say that? What does it mean that he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God? And then in light of that, what does that teach us about Jesus and what he's doing? So I want us to look at that <clears throat> through three points, which will kind of intersect with a variety of places in, this, in these passages. The teaching of the kingdom of God, the demonstration of the kingdom of God, and the extension of the kingdom of God. So the teaching, the demonstration, the extension of the kingdom of God. So let's look first at the teaching of the kingdom of God. One of the things we see (coughs) that Jesus did is that he talked about the kingdom of God. Now, if we were to say, if Jesus was to come here and say, like, here's, I got a message for you. It's about the kingdom of God. We might not immediately know exactly what he's referring to. It might not be that, what we would expect him to say, but that is what he said. And for his contemporaries, for the people whom he was talking to in those days in the land of Israel, that would have made sense to them. Because for them, when they looked to the future and they thought about the hope that they had, they were looking for the kingdom of God to break in and help them. Because they saw themselves under the power of, a, of another authority, the Roman government, and often under the oppression of that same authority. In addition, they would look around, and they would often see that people were, had compromised with the Roman way of life, with the Greek way of life, 
and they had turned away from the ancient paths. So they would have understood when someone came and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Because they were looking for someone to call them back to God and liberate them from their enemies. So that's how they would have seen the situation. So they would have understood it. And what Jesus' message was, was an answer to their expectation. He was saying, now the kingdom of God has come. What you were looking for is now here. Now, of course, he had to correct many of their misconceptions about it. But fundamentally, he was saying the, king, the idea of the kingdom coming is right, and that is what is here, and now I'm going to teach you what that really means. And so he spent a lot of time teaching. And that te- tells us something about the kingdom. That in many ways, the kingdom of God is about changing our minds and hearts to think differently about the world, about God, about who he is. And so there is a teaching that takes place to tell us how to think differently than we have thought before. And remember, even repentance means a change of mind. So that fits in with the teaching. You're thinking one way, you're telling yourself one story, now you need to think differently, now you need to tell yourself a different story, and then that manifests itself in actions. And so I just want to emphasize the fact this fact by looking at the variety of ways in which Jesus was doing this. Jesus taught in a variety of ways. He taught in their synagogues, meaning the places where they gathered every week for worship. Now, it's interesting. uh, It says that Jesus went into the synagogue and taught. Sometimes, you know, people say, I'm not going to church because I've been hurt, and I felt rejection there. And it's sad that that occurs, but it's a reality. But Jesus had just been rejected in his home church back in Nazareth and, in fact, almost killed. And yet, what does he do? He goes right back to to where the people are because he knows that that's the place where God works. And so that's what he does. He goes to the synagogue. And you can see that he's always there. In addition, he didn't just teach in one synagogue. He saw himself as called to go from town to town. After Jesus had done all these healings, they all said, Hey, Jesus... Stay here. We like having you here. And he said, nope, i got to go to other towns. That's why I've been sent, to tell everybody about the kingdom of God. And so, thirdly, Jesus taught wherever there were people. He didn't just go to the synagogues, but when he found people, he started talking about the kingdom of God. And there's an interesting story here in chapter 5. He's teaching by the lake where people might gather. And, you know, it kind of is a good place to speak because, you know, slopes downward toward the lake. You can speak up. It's like being in a little amphitheater. And yet, the people got so close to him that he had to go out to the boats and, and sit there, and, but he continued to teach the people. And so, why did Jesus do this? Because he saw that he had a wonderful message. He had good news. He had news that w- things were going to change, things that were going to turn around. All that had been undone was going to be remade. He was restoring all things as they were intended. And he wanted them to know about it. And so, Jesus spoke about it. But he not only spoke about it, he demonstrated it. He showed it with what he did. He was teaching them not only with his words, but with his actions. He demonstrated the kingdom of God. The first way in which Jesus demonstrated the kingdom of God was in his power over demons. 
In many ways, the conception of the kingdom of God was smaller than it should have been for these people. They, were, they saw Rome, they saw the problems of the political situation in their day, but they didn't see the bigger problem of the, of the power of Satan over the whole world and the power of Satan that would lead them away from blessing and away from God and into a greater oppression than that of Rome. And as a side note, that's a problem often with the church, that we can easily get too focused on the things that we see with our eyes, whether it's ecclesiastical fights, fights in the churches, whether it's the politics of the day, whether it's issues in our family and so on, that we see that that's the big issue. That's not the big issue. That's not the biggest problem. That's not the biggest fight. The biggest fight is with Satan and his kingdom. And, and so much so that the Apostle Paul says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against these evil spirits. Now, Jesus showed this in, a, in an interesting way in how it's described here. Because he was teaching in the synagogue, and it says there was a man with an impure spirit, noting that he's unclean in, in the sense that he's morally impure, opposed to what is good, and it's an, an evil spirit, a de- what we call a demon. And he's sitting there. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't say that anybody noticed. You know, it doesn't say, oh, there's the guy who's demon-possessed coming in. He might have just been sitting there. In the midst of it, no one even knew that this person was demon-possessed. Because it's not always like demons work in a way that is active. Often they use deception. But yet, in the midst of this, this man jumps up and he cries out and he says, I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You're the Messiah. You're the promised King who's coming. And so Jesus responds. And he says in verse 35, Be quiet, he says. And come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down and left. And the man was once again in his right mind. And the people knew the kingdom of God had come. The king was there. Because listen to how they respond. They said, what words these are with authority and power. He gives orders to impure spirits. And they come out. And they come out. And the news spread about them all around. And this wasn't just a one-time event. If you look at verse 41, it says that, Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You're the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. And so Jesus demonstrated his power and his power over demons. Now, it's interesting, I think also, sometimes we don't think about this as a factor in the evil in the world as it noted. And, uh, but yet, it's one in which we have authority through Jesus Christ, because we're under the king. And there's a story of a missionary named John Nevius. In the 19th century, he went to China. And he was a lot like us. You know, he tended to have a modern mindset, look for first for natural causes, and not think maybe that much about supernatural interference. But as he ministered in China, he realized, like, the things he was encountering were exactly the sorts of things that, he had, that Jesus had encountered in his day. And so he began to be much more aware of the fact that there was the issue of the supernatural battle. And what he found, to his great encouragement, was that as Christians came there and they read the word of God and prayed, the demons would flee, just like they did in the day of Jesus. And so it is that we can trust that the king is still here, and he still has power over the enemy. We need to claim it. We need to believe it. Secondly, 
Jesus demonstrated the kingdom in the healing of a common disease. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I have like a slight sickness, maybe a little bit of a fever, you know, um, feeling, you know, sore throat or just muscle aches, you know, there's a part of me that might say, Jesus isn't really that interested in that. It's not that big of a deal, you know. And I know that in a short time, I'll probably get better, right? But when we consider that more deeply, that we can see that, this, that the fact is that when we get sick, it's not the way things are supposed to be. We were meant to be healthy people who serve others and glorify God. And this passage reminds us that Jesus is concerned even about those sorts of things. Because he went to the home of Simon here, who is the same as, as, as Peter, St. Peter. And he went to the home, and his mother-in-law was there, and she had a fever. And so Jesus, it says, left the synagogue, and he went over to her to help her. They asked Jesus to help her. And so we can also ask Jesus to help us in the midst of our sicknesses. And he bent over and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Jesus was concerned even about something that was kind of a minor sickness, we might call it a common sickness. But then notice, she got up at once and began to wait on them. She was restored to health. Why? So that she might serve. We receive the love of God. We're restored to health. Why? So that we might serve others, that we might glorify the Lord. And so in that way, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom, what it's all about. Taking the things that are not the way they're supposed to be and bringing them back to the way they were meant to be. Then thirdly, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom in the healing of the multitudes. So when they hear about this, everybody comes. They bring everybody who's sick. They're bringing them all to Jesus. And what does it say? He, he, at sunset, people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Now notice the manner that he does this. He goes to, these, <laughs> goes to the sick and he lays his hands on them. And heals them. Now, I'm not saying that social distance is not necessary at times. That it might not be a prudent um, method. Sometimes I really want to engage in social distance. You know, and it can be something like, man, I really want some social distance right now. But, you know, it's interesting that Jesus, I mean, think of the power of this. People that people would run away from, that they want to distance from. He goes and he puts his hands on them. And again, I don't think we should ignore those second causes, but, you know, it also talks about the elders doing the same in the church. And I think it's worth thinking about, you know, what are the implications of that? The fact is the kingdom of God comes into the midst of the darkness and brings light. It comes into the midst of the sickness and brings healing. That's what Jesus is showing through what he does. Now, one of the problems Jesus had is that he could only be in his human nature, in one place at one time. And so if he was going to connect with people, different people, he had to leave one place and go to another. And again, the people there were so excited about this. They're like, this is going to be like our permanent teacher here. We definitely want this guy as our pastor. He can heal. He can cast out demons. He's a great teacher. He's like, no, that's not what's going to happen. He said, I have to go to the other towns also because that's why I've been sent. Because he could only be in one place at one time. If he was going to reach more people, he had to go physically to that place. 
That was how his human nature works. That's how human nature works, and that's how he worked in this, in when he was here on this earth. And so, how is the kingdom going to be extended when Jesus can only be in one place at one time? And that's what the next story tells us. It tells us about the extension of the kingdom of God and the way it's going to come. Now remember, Jesus taught through parables, and one of the parables he used was that of a mustard seed. He says it's one of the smallest seeds, but you plant it and it becomes a big tree. The birds rest in it and it gives shade. He says that's how the kingdom is. It's not going to come all at once. It's not going to, we're not going to see it happen all at the same time. It's going to be gradual. And that way, that he was correcting some of the misconception of the people of that time. Now, how is, how is it going to happen then? That's what we're going to see here. So remember, Jesus had been teaching by the lake in chapter 5. And people were coming so close to him that he got in the boat. And then he began to teach from the boat. And then, when he's done teaching, he stops talking. And the people disperse. Now, he has then a conversation with the fishermen there. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now you can imagine how this expert fisherman who had been doing it his whole life might have responded to Jesus' suggestion about how they need to fish. And you can see it in what he says. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night. We haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the sense. I know this ain't going to work, but I'll do it because you tell me to. Okay, I'm going to show you. Maybe that's not what he meant. But anyway, either way, the result was that he caught... So many fish that they couldn't keep it in the boat. It's going to cause the boat to sink. So they had to call their uh, friends over to help them with all these fish. So then Peter goes back to the land and he, and he falls down at Jesus' knees and he said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. He realized his own, that he was in the presence of the holy, awesome God. He saw his sin and he humbled himself. Now, I've never, I've never forgotten a comment by Lutheran theologian C.F.W. Walter on this passage, though. Just a, kind of a little bit of a side note, but it also gets at the totality of what we're talking about. Here's what Walter said. Peter said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Many a time in his later life, he probably said to himself, Peter, you were a great simpleton on that occasion. In other words, you, didn't, you weren't really thinking straight. You should have said, instead of what you did say to Jesus, you should have said, O Lord, abide with me, for I am a sinful man. O Lord, stay by me. Not depart from me, but abide with me, for I am a sinful man. That's how he would grow in his understanding of the kingdom. Well, whether he thought that or not, I think it's illustrative of what Jesus is all about. We're going to see a little bit of that next week. Now, Jesus' point in doing all this was not just to show him his greatness, show him that he knew how to, he was a better fisherman than, than Peter or anything like that. He was teaching them about what, what he would do. And it was not about fish, it was actually about people. And what he was saying is the kingdom is going to grow. There's going to be people come in, and it's going to be big. It's going to be big. And in addition, I'm going to send you out to fish for those people. Listen to what he says. He says to Simon, that is Peter, don't be afraid. 
from now on you will fish for people. So, in other words, how is Jesus then going to get to other people? How is he going to extend the kingdom? How will the king extend the kingdom? He's going to do it through people who will fish for other people. He's going to do it through people who will bring the kingdom of God to new places. He's going to do it through people who will go out and bring the power of the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to talk a lot about this, but how would he do it? Well, Jesus was going to do this by sending them to people. If he was going to fish for people, you have to go where people are. So he was going to send them where the people were. And you see that the, when, they, when the disciples went out, where did they go? They went to the cities. They went to the big places. They would see Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. They'd be like, that's where we're going. Because they went by people because they wanted to catch people. Secondly, he would give them a message. So he was telling them about the kingdom of God so that they could tell other people. And then thirdly, he would give them power. He would give them power to love. He would give them power to act. He would give them power to heal. So they would be a center of the coming of the kingdom of God on earth and making God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And that is how the king builds his kingdom. Now I want to encourage you, my brothers and sisters, and I've been encouraged this week, so I've thought about it. Y'all are an evidence of what God is doing, that he does make people fish. He takes people and he makes them fish for people. What we heard about with, with art, I could go through this congregation and I could talk about what person after person is doing because of the work of God in them. That they are going to places where they can fish for people and they are reaching lives and they are blessing people. And I want that to, what, what this means is that God is at work and you should be encouraged. What this means is the fact that God is sending us out, that Jesus is making us fish for people, that he's doing what he promised, that he is extending his kingdom, should give us greater confidence and greater encouragement to go to the places where we might not want to go, to step out of our comfort zone again, to reach those people who need the power of the kingdom, that we should not be afraid to give up our time and our efforts, knowing that God will supply what we need, because it is ultimately him who is working through us. You should fear less. You should continue more and more in what you're doing. Because the king is at work. The king is building his kingdom. And he will do it. So cast in the nets. See what a large catch you will get. Amen.